Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Magnet Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am your host, Wes Easley. Don't forget to follow me over on Twitter, at Lofinit on Twitter. And don't forget about following the show at FI Today with a little underscore. And, and JB, what I was thinking about today is, you know, I, I, on that on the Fit Today Twitter handle, I like to put a lot of people's stuff. Like, I like to support the fantasy football community. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like to retweet and like their items. Uh, and, and, you know, we got some we got some support groups and different things like that that we all kind of get in these different chats with. And I like to support those guys and their work. And I read a lot of it, too, just to keep just to keep informed on what's going on. And so the Fantasy Impact Today Twitter handle is kind of like a, a newspaper. It's, it's like a where you could just find all kinds of different articles. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of great minds out here. And and thanks to the Scott Fishbowl, a lot of people connected this year. And I know personally, I could say I made a lot of good friends this year. Thanks to Scott Fishbowl and some of the other industry leagues, Hunger Bowl and what have you. So uh, there's a lot of good minds out there. I love sharing other people's thoughts, opinions, posts, you know, a lot of group chats, bouncing things off of each other. So I love that you share everybody's stuff on there and, and kind of gets their stuff out there to to a different audience who might not be seeing it regularly like we are. Well, and what happens, too, is people get connected through that. And there's no greater. I, I love helping others. Right. That's I, I, one of my what's one of my things I hope I get known for as I get older in life is helping other people. And I see these other people connecting and somebody who's creating content starts creating content for somebody else. And that's just that's awesome. I don't know if I get a finder's fee or not, but that's just <laughs> <laughs> I really like that when that happens. I just and that's kind of how you and I met. And of course, you are J.B. Barry at Fantasy Coach J.B. on Twitter. Make sure you follow him as well he comes out with different articles there towards the end of the week is what he calls his sexy flexies towards the end of the week who who might be in who was one of the players there that you highlighted this week so the rasball article sexy flexies drops every thursday so today's dropped and christian kirk and joshua kelly were my two sexy flexies this week and i'm sure we'll get into talking about them a little bit on this fantasy magnet show I am sure we will as well. But before all that, we have to give this man his due. I, I, I've already talked about it a couple of different times here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, and you can head over to Anchor FM and find those past podcasts, the DFS Dreamers, or even the Baby Bowl that we talked about, uh, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick. And my thoughts on him, basically, and I'll just sum it up in a couple of different words here. I don't want it to end. That's it. That's all. That's that's. I'm selfish like that, and I just I just don't want Fitz Magic to end. But I do want to get your input and give you an outlet because I would imagine you enjoy watching Ryan Fitzpatrick play, play football as well, and you might be a little bit frustrated. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like watching Fitzpatrick play, man? The guy plays the game and has so much fun doing it. He plays it well. He plays it right. He's, he's a consummate professional. He's been a journeyman around the league, and, and I've never heard anyone speak anything poorly about him. So, you know, to see the report that came out yesterday that, you know, I thought when they announced that Tua was going to be the starter in Miami, I thought that it was known that Fitzpatrick knew, all right, hey, look, you know, you take us these six weeks, we'll go into the bye, we're going to come out with the rookie, you tutor him, whatever. So I thought that that was what the plan was. But for Fitzpatrick to come out yesterday and, and say that he was heartbroken and, and he really didn't know that was going to happen. So I, I definitely feel for him and I'd love for the Fitz magic to go on. I mean, there's obviously destinations that he could get traded to <laughs> Dallas that would make a ton of sense to keep him going. But I, I don't know that Miami will do that because they're looking at him as a mentor for the rookie to us. So I, I'd love to see it keep going. I just don't know that it will. 
Yeah, it's very strange. And you mentioned a couple of things that, that struck a new thought in my head. It's a new regime in Miami, right? A new head coach. New. Maybe this is the first time they go down this road. Maybe they didn't realize they should have made it more clear to Fitzpatrick that this was going to happen. Uh, be, to me, when he voiced his displeasure in it, that's when my radar really went up because I was going, okay, they knew this behind the scenes. But when he voiced his displeasure, that, that's when I really went, huh, something's just not right. And maybe I'm going to give Miami a benefit of the doubt because I really like what they're building down there. I really like how they're having fun. I can't forget about draft day whenever they had just such a good time and the kids are on the the, the video stream with Tua and stuff like that. Just just having a good time and really seeing, seemingly changing the culture down there. And I think Fitzpatrick had a lot to do with that. I just I I don't know maybe if it if if they were a little gun shy in telling Ryan Fitzpatrick about it I, I don't know maybe they were just new managers of the team. Yeah, I don't think it was handled correctly, and I think I like Brian Flores. I'm not really sure yet. I think I like Brian Flores as a coach, <laughs> so I'd like to think that he could have handled this better. Um, yeah, obviously he could have, but like I said, Fitzpatrick is a professional, and he's going to take this in stride. He's not going to be the type of guy who's going to turn on Tua. He's going to want to be a mentor as long as he's there. But I think if there were an opportunity to trade him, and look, I mean, if you trade him to Dallas and you get Andy Dalton back, and I mean, this isn't a game of Madden or a fantasy football league, it's it's the real NFL. So, I mean, it makes sense in my mind if they traded him to Dallas, got Andy Dalton back, and you still have a veteran that can that can talk to and, and work with the rookie. I, I don't think something like that happens, Wes, but yeah. it would be nice. It would be yeah. nice. It, it, it would be fun. And I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't want his time to be over. And the older you get, the more you realize the magic fades away pretty quickly. So uh, if you don't if you don't stay in it, then you're going to if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. So I think he wants to keep on using it so he doesn't lose it. Yep. Uh, and speaking of old men and magic, you see a lot of old men resurfacing this week, too. You saw Antonio Brown rumors coming and, and rumors of him uh, linked to Seattle and among a couple of other teams. Des Bryant it looks to be uh, getting signed to the practice squad of the Ravens. No, so I didn't gotta, see that. I didn't yep, see that. Yep, yep. I see Ravens plan to sign Des Bryant to the practice squad. Uh, Ravens okay. actually been busy on their bye week. They just mm -hmm. uh, a tra uh, traded the Vikings for the defensive end Yannick Nagakwe. Uh, I was going to let you say it because I thought it would have been funnier for you to say his name. But uh, yeah, have, have a lot of fun at my tongue twisting. <laughs> But yeah, the Ravens are busy, but how about these old guys? I mean, people are, are clamoring to pick up these wide receivers. And I mean, I, I picked up Antonio in a deep league that I have just to kind of stash him at the bottom of my bench. But Des Bryant being signed to a practice squad of a team who can't even throw to their number one receiver now, I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I, I could see a lot of frustration coming from Des Bryant if Lamar Jackson can't get him the ball. Lamar Jackson, man. I, I think if you go back and look at it last week, and maybe my eyes are my memory is fading, I, it was under a 50% completion rate last week, and the week before it was right at 50%. It, it just hovers right around there. That's just uh, Des Bryant's not going to like that. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't know that either of these guys are going to have real fantasy relevance, but if you have room on your bench in a deep league, you might want to pick up and stash Antonio. He still may get suspended more than this eight games. I saw something yesterday saying that the NFL can still suspend him further. So, I mean, if he goes to Seattle or Green Bay or a place that, you know, where 
where there'll be volume and, and it's a good passing attack, then maybe he's worth the stash at the bottom of your bench. But I wouldn't go out. I saw people dropping players that they really shouldn't have dropped for a guy who might not even play. So be yeah. careful. And, and the Terrell Owens thing, just he's trying to find his way back into the NFL. So if you get on a practice squad, you can get signed by another team off the practice squad. There's a lot of things that can happen. I think he's just looking for that opportunity, and I, I can't say that I blame him. I'm, well, that's, I, that's Bryant, but I would like to oh, see Terrell yeah. Owens back in the league. <laughs> They're the same person in my head. They're the same person. I, and I, why not T.O. too? Come on, Chad Johnson, what are you doing right now, buddy Rowe? Come on, what are you doing? Hey, but uh, back to back to Miami just real quick because I want to tell our listeners and we, we they deserve our input a little bit and we had Coop on at the beginning of the year Andrew Cooper I think is uh, isn't his name Andrew Cooper yep. Yep. okay at the beginning of the year talking about tight ends and different things like that and I always said even on that podcast that two was always going to do well throwing to the slot receiver and, and I didn't know who that was in Miami and Coop said that is Jacecki. And he said, Jacecki is the slot receiver there. I know he plays tight end, but that's the role that he has been filling, and that is the role he has been playing. So I do want to tell people, in my opinion, uh, to put their eggs in the Jacecki basket if they can. I think that that'll pay off with Tua, and he likes to get the ball out of his hands quick. I, I think Tua is very fragile, and he tries to extend plays a little bit too much, and that puts him in a compromising position to get injured. So the best thing for him to do is to get rid of that ball quickly, especially behind that Miami Dolphin offensive line. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Isaiah Ford is also a guy who has been playing out of the slot. And I think that's why we've seen Gusecki kind of not have the year that we thought or hoped that he would have is because Isaiah Ford's been taking a lot of those slot snaps away from him. So he's a guy to also stash if if what you're saying is true and two is going to be looking for the slot guy. It could very well be Isaiah Ford, too. So take that name down. He very well could have been dropped if he was even owned, and they're on a bye this week. So it might be a good guy to pick up and stash. I hate that he's going against the Rams the very first game. I just really hate that. It scares me. I'm going to be watching. <laughs> I'm going to be nervous, though. He's my he's my guy, man. Tua's my guy. Tua Tagovailoa. See, I could do, I could do big There you go. Like Hey, we're in week seven, though, JB, and we got the Fantasy Magnet podcast here where we are stuck or repelled against players who will be playing in week number seven to give our fans, the podcast listeners, the Fit Fam, some good, solid fantasy advice, not only in their redraft leagues or in their dynasty leagues, who they should start, who they should sit, but also some DFS nuggets, I hope, throughout this show. I, I think that people can learn a lot of things like this. But if you have any start sit questions, don't hesitate to ask us at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter, at at loafing it on Twitter, or you can send them to the FI today with a little underscore there on Twitter, and we can find those things there. Uh, so, JB, our first game, which starts here Thursday night, I don't know, we'll get to talk about it a little bit. In hindsight, uh, we can we, people will see if we're right or if we're wrong. The New York Giants versus the Philadelphia Eagles. I actually have a tough decision to make because I have Evan Ingram in one of my leagues. Somebody, because of the bye week, has dropped Jack Doyle. Um, no, not Jack Doyle. Who's the Trey Burton? They've dropped Trey Burton. And then somebody yesterday dropped Hawkinson. And and I know Hawkinson wow. is one of those really good names. But if you look back at his fantasy points, he hasn't been producing all that much better than uh, Evan Ingram, who I have on my roster as a tight end. I only carry one tight end. I usually carry one defense. I usually carry one quarterback in any kind of redraft league. That's why I have trouble this year in that in that Hunger Bowl a draft or any of those things that go really deep because I'm not used to really deep ones. I like playing the waiver wire and, and there, 
There was no waiver wire this year <laughs> in that hunger ball. I, I was not used to that format at all. Not making excuses. It. I just th- that one blindsided me because I didn't. You just know that. picked up Cephas. You picked up your boy Cephas. <laughs> I did pick up Cephas, and and you went to go pick up Antonio Brown. When when you said you got Cephas, you texted me that last night. I went, oh, you went to go get Antonio Brown just like I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you went for Antonio, and you left with a Cephas. Well, I heard I heard Marvin Jones Jr. has an injured knee. I I don't know that he's even played this year to start with, but I I figure they got to replace him sometime soon. So I can't remember who I even. I think I dropped my guy Carlos Hyde. What a terrible prediction that was. But uh, uh, anyway, let's talk a little bit about the New York Giants. I think Evan Ingram, uh, Darius Slayton. Yeah, I think those are the two guys you got to start if you are the New York Giants. I don't know if you could start a Freeman against this Philadelphia Eagle defense. Uh, other than that, I i mean, you got the Philly guys, but man, I, I just don't know, JB. This is a battle kind of for first place in this division almost. How gross is that? A 1-5 team and a 1-4-1 and one team <laughs> are fighting for the division because that division is just so terrible. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's expected to be a pretty ugly game. It's one of the lowest point totals of the week. So they don't expect there to be a lot of scoring. You're right. The Philadelphia front is pretty good. So I, it would be scary to start Freeman, even though he gets the volume. So in a season long with buys and injuries, you got to start him. That's OK. He'll be OK. You know, he's going to be a guy who gets the volume, but don't expect too much from him. Slayton's been banged up. Shepard is back, but he's also banged up. I think he's going to, you know, test it out on the field. They did activate him from the IR, so he's going to test it out and see if he'll go. Um, Golden Tate out of the slot might be a sneaky play, but I I don't know. He, He hasn't done much for me, so Ingram is the guy who... If you read Coop's articles and Coop Andrew Cooper posts articles on Fantasy Alarm and posts them on his Twitter page and he he breaks down the tight end position and the volume that people are getting and the routes that they run and it's really in-depth. He really does a great job breaking things down. And Engram is out there running routes, so the opportunity has to come and you would think that this is the time for it to come with the wide receiver core banged up with a tough matchup for the running back. Daniel Jones is going to be running around. He's going to have to throw it to somebody. And I, this got to be a get right game for Ingram. I hope so. Well, and I, that's why I left him in my lineup because I think so too. And I'm hoping I get one. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping Trey Burton stays a free agent uh, until like Sunday night or Monday night. And then I can kind of predict who I'm going to drop a little bit better than what I want to drop right now. Maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe somebody gets injured. And then I'm just going to run out there and get Trey Burton because he's really been getting a lot of volume. But as far as the Philadelphia Eagles go, uh, Boston Scott, I guess we're going to be looking for him. If you get, if you have him, you got to play him because I don't know when else you're going to play him this, this year. Uh, If you're, if you have him, uh, there's no, what Rodney Rogers. Are you going to fire up Rodney Rogers tonight? Richard Rogers, Richard Rogers. <laughs> no, I will not be in Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Okay. Um, I think that Boston Scott, I'm not a big Boston Scott fan. I don't think that he's right. going to do very well. He's not a good runner between the tackles. He does bounce outside. He is good at receiving passes, but if the Eagles who are favored in this game are going to be winning this game, the game script is not going to favor a pass catching running back. I think a sneaky play for DFS, and I have him in my showdown lineup, is Corey Clement. And I think he might score a sneaky touchdown running between the tackles as that ground-to-pound running back. And I also like Greg Ward today out of the slot. The Giants are not good against slot receivers. Um, The Giants' slot corner is the worst corner on their team. So I think that, you know, matched up against Darnay Holmes, 
Ward's going to have an opportunity to catch six, seven passes and maybe do something with it. Fulgham is the hot name. First of all, Deshaun Jackson is back. So let's see if he could make it through a full game because, you know, it's Deshaun Jackson. So you can never expect too much, but he could go for a long one. And then there's Fulgham, who is the hot name. He's he's come on strong. He's become their X receiver. So he's a guy that a lot of people are starting in their lineup. But Wes, I think you saw I posted on Twitter for the last few days now. I think Fulgham's going to get that shadow coverage from James Bradbury, who I've been saying for weeks now is, is one of the best shutdown corners so far this year. A lot of people that I was talking to today or responded to my tweets, Donkey Teeth, B-Don, the Razzball guys, were thinking that Bradbury was going to travel with Jackson. But they usually use Bradbury to shadow bigger-bodied receivers. So my gut is telling me he's going to be on Fulgham most of the game, which will be a bad matchup for, for Travis Fulgham. What do you think? Yeah, and, and, you know, Jackson's a one-trick pony, cuz. You know what I mean? Like, yep. if you're a cornerback who can't cover Jackson, just don't let him get behind you, and you'll be okay. You know what I mean? Just, hey, keep him in front of you. You'll be all right. And I know that probably sounds a little bit easier said than done, but still, man, if you can't do that, I don't, I don't know why you're even a quarterback in that league. I'm going to give one more thing. I don't want to spend all our time on a game that's already happened if this if this podcast goes out on, <laughs> on, a, on a Friday morning. Um, but Jalen Rieger is going to be out there in some leagues in an IR designation, and he's, he's starting to get warmed up. I think that he might be somebody that people can pick up just straight off of a waiver wire and slide him into that IR spot. If you happen to be, you know, maybe maybe you just slid Saquon Barkley in that IR spot in a redraft league and, and just just go ahead and get rigor because he might be actually effective this year instead of like a Saquon Barkley or somebody. Yeah, I like that. That's a nice sneaky pickup that people and, and, you know, Tevin Coleman, there's a couple of IR guys that you could pick up and stash right now. And Rago is a great one. Denzel Mims there's a couple of guys mm-hmm. pick up and stash. So that's a good point, Wes. And I'm glad you're bringing that to the listeners so that they can listen to this on Friday, go out there and grab it. So now when they're listening to this on Friday, hopefully I'll, I'll have a lot more coin in my pocket because I'll be playing Corey Clement and, <laughs> and Greg Ward in my DFS showdown lineup. So we'll see when this releases, if I'm, if I'm about $50 poorer or if I'm a couple thousand dollars richer. (laughs) When when Clement, I, I, I played uh, whatever that bag, not Gallman, but Dion Lewis, I played Dion Lewis in in that showdown event because I needed like a $600 uh, running back or something. (laughs) All right. So next let's go to one, a game that matters. Buffalo bills at the New York jets. Uh, I say it matters because on the DFS dreamer podcast that I have with Pee Wee Pierre, I built a lineup at the end of it using New York Jets is what I did. I, I, I went ahead and used Flacco as my starting quarterback. And I'm going to tell you what, it freed up a lot of money. I think I changed a little bit at the end because when I, when I submitted it and I looked at it, I was like, man, I had like $8,900 left. I could have made that lineup a little bit better than that. And it was really fun, though, to make a Flacco lineup. I suggest everybody make a Flacco lineup because you're, uh, uh, all Flacco does have to give me like 15 points on that game, and I'm going to score 200 points. I mean, it's just it's that simple. I'm going to score 200 points because Flacco is just so dirt cheap going up against these Buffalo Bills. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't, I'm not that impressed by the Buffalo Bill defense. They, they got run all over last week by Kansas City, and I know it was a strange environment. It was rainy weather. Uh, Buffalo Bills are favored by a ton of points in this one, JB, so I really see them being a run-heavy team on this one. The point total is only 45, so I think you got to fire up all the Bills. But, uh, you know, be, be, be fire beware. I am a little tongue-in-cheek when I'm talking about starting a Flacco lineup. 
Yeah, I mean, not for nothing. If you want to just give money away, I'll be happy to take it. I'll send you my That's address. You can send it, it over to me. Time <laughs> lineup, a quarter lineup. Oh, it's all. Uh. Well, I mean, look, you made a good point that Buffalo got ran all over last week by Kansas City, but that's mm. the thing. They got ran all over by Kansas City. So, I mean, if you're going to look at Joe Flacco and the pass-catching quote-unquote weapons that the Jets have, I mean, are you really confident in Perriman and Jeff Smith? I mean, yeah, you got no. Crowder out of the yeah. slot. Yeah, Crowder, that's who it is. Uh, you think about uh, Demarcus Robinson. He's the guy who got, what, five passes, 70-something yards or something like that, I think, last week for Kansas City. So I am I am hooking Flacco up with Crowder, and I'm ro- YOLO. <laughs> Oof, good luck. Good luck. God bless you. I'll be, I'll, I, I guess I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But for Buffalo, what do you see going on with their team this week? Well, I I know you don't like John Brown anymore. You used to like John Brown. You used to be a big John Brown guy. But I did listen to the DFS Streamers podcast, and I know that you were dropping him like a hot microphone. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that Josh uh, Josh Allen's going to look to get going again this week. So obviously two disappointing weeks in a row for this Bills offense, and they want to get going again. So I think Josh Allen is going to take advantage of this Jets defense. This could be one of those games. Every year we get one of those games that's like, you know, 46 to 3. So this could be one of those games because Josh Allen's just going to look to have the pedal to the metal. He's going to look for Diggs. He's going to look for Brown. He's going to look for Beasley. I think this is one of those games that Allen could throw for four touchdowns and run for one more. I agree with you. I think this could be a nice Josh Allen game, and it may be even flipped where he runs for four and throws for one. I don't, I don't know how that's going to be. You know, it's but I think that this could be a big Josh Allen game. And the the other person that I do want to point out here, if they do go run heavy. They're going to have to really practice that run a little bit better. You know what I mean? They're going to have to do that a little bit more as the year goes on. It gets really cold. It gets really windy in Buffalo. So it doesn't set up for a great passing environment. So they're going to have to get that ground game going. And what a better opportunity. No better opportunity will ever present themselves throughout the year than to run the ball in the second half against the New York Jets up big like that. And, And so I could see Zach Moss really getting a lot of carries this week. Yeah, and he's finally healthy again, it looks like. So... They do want to get him going, get him back in a groove. So if they're up by a few touchdowns against the Jets, you're right. It's a perfect time to get him back flowing. Okay. That one sounds good. I think we got a lot of good advice there outside of the, the Flacco pick. Okay, just tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, everybody. Stay tuned to how that turns out. All right, the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. This is a big game. A couple of teams that play fast. It's finally a 50-point point total for you and I to talk about here. I like the Carolina Panthers in this matchup going against the New Orleans Saints who just don't seem to have their act together. Drew Brees is a very impressive early going always gets warmed up by the time the second half comes around maybe michael thomas will help solve that jb maybe but there was uh news today that he had a little hamstring tweak in addition to his ankle injury so uh, we don't even know if we're going to see michael thomas out there we'd like to we'd like to get him back out there for breeze's sake and just to see this offense kind of flow like it's supposed to but we don't even know if he's going to play or not. And yeah, you're right. This is a 51 or 50 point total. So this is one of, I think, seven games this week that have a 50 or more point total expected. So there definitely should be some scoring. I'd like to see Emmanuel Sanders continue the rapport that we sh- we saw him building with Breeze in the last game and a half or so. Um, Alvin Kamara, obviously, is a fired up guy, especially against the Carolina run D, which isn't very good. Um, Carolina had a disappointing game last week. I actually thought they would win last week and, and they, they disappointed. So they might also be looking to get back on track, but 
the New Orleans defense is pretty good and coming off a bye. So I don't know which way this game will go, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not sure which. I'm kind of caught in between. Of course, Teddy Bridgewater, that's another little side note to all this, with being a backup in New Orleans last year who played pretty well given the opportunity. But to me, too, if the New Orleans Saints know Teddy Bridgewater, they'll be able to exploit his weaknesses. So I don't look for a big game out of Teddy. I'm sure he knows their weaknesses, too, but I think it's easier for a defense to exploit those defense uh, those weaknesses by a quarterback instead of vice versa yeah you're right and I think Robbie Anderson will have a tough game if they match up Marshawn Lattimore with him so it could be a good game to to go back to DJ Moore well because you know Bridgewater's going to be looking for somebody and if Anderson's going to get the Lattimore coverage it could be DJ Moore that's running open for him so uh, we can't really call it a Teddy Bridgewater revenge game because we like to use that narrative but Mm -hmm. because you know think about it you know New Orleans gave him the shot and basically got him paid this year by Carolina so it's more like a welcome back tour which you know he might get welcomed back with a little Cam Jordan in the face. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the other thing that I think about with this, too, what happens if Michael Thomas comes back? Does Alvin Kamara then become just the primary runner or do they still keep working in Latavius Murray as that runner between the tackles? Because Alvin Kamara was getting a lot of pass attempts. You know what I mean? He was getting a lot of pass attempts. And after I see Michael Thomas coming back as I envision this. I can see his pass attempts going down and making him more of a a ball control threat again. Yeah, and they were using Kamara a lot both ways, but you were seeing more Murray so that they could spell him a little bit. So I think that when Michael Thomas is back in the lineup, we will see less Lat Murray because then they won't need to rest Kamara as much because he won't have as many touches as he's had to have for the past few weeks. I agree with you. Is I think you could feel kind of confident, like you said, Robbie Anderson, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe not Mike Davis, uh, DJ Moore, yes, for sure, and I would definitely Emmanuel Sanders. He had a bunch of targets that last game, so mm-hmm. I think we could put those people in play. Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals, fifty and a half point total. I haven't I haven't seen the weather update. I know earlier this week it, it said that it was going to rain. I'm not sure if that's going to happen again or not. But this one looks like it's a pretty I don't know. Whenever I see the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, that's just a rivalry that's gone back for a long, long time. But this looks like a get right spot for Kareem Hunt, if you ask me. Yeah, and they played each other earlier in the year, and it was a tight game. I think it was a Thursday night game, if I remember correctly. And it was a tight game, but it was a game that Cleveland ran all over Cincinnati. Both Hunt and Chubb went off that game. So you're right. This could definitely be a great spot for Hunt to get back on track, get a good bulk of the obviously he's getting the bulk of the carries so they they want to run the ball more baker's banged up i don't even know if baker's gonna play i haven't seen any updated news but they had been talking about case keenum possibly starting because baker's been banged up um that that whole team is kind of a little banged up i saw something today that jarvis landry said he's been playing with a broken rib so i mean yeah turn around and hand the ball to hunt and let him run on this cincinnati defense yeah, no doubt about that. And with Cincinnati, if Mixon is out, and I haven't seen an update on him, last time he was hurt, a little bit banged up, he got like 45 fantasy points, I think, that week. So I, we'll have to pay attention to that. But if if not, I can imagine that uh, Burrow is going to have to throw the ball around a whole bunch, which is really good for those wide receivers. And A.J. Green woke up last week. Yeah, Mixon didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, so we really got to keep an eye to see if he practices tomorrow. If he doesn't practice tomorrow being Friday, then he's not going to play this week, and it's going to be a Gio Bernard. But 
it's going to be Gio Bernard against a really good run defense. The Cleveland run defense is good. So you put him in there at a bottom end running back too. And if you pick them up or if you're a Mixon owner who, who has had Gio on your bench, you're going to start him because you probably have to with the buys and, and the injuries. But, you know, he's a low end RB2 facing a good defense. So it might have to be Burrow if, if they're turning and giving it to Gio and he's running into a line and he's not getting anywhere. It's going to have to be Burrow throwing the ball. But now we're confused as to who he's going to throw the ball to because we saw A.J. <laughs> Green kind of being phased mm-hmm. out and Tyler Boyd and, and T. Higgins stepping up and being those main receivers. And then here we go. Last week, A.J. Green back in the mix leading the team in targets. So I, I don't know who to start here anymore. I think you got to, if you have one, just put them in there. That's, that's, that's the only thing I can think of unless you have a better one, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in a game that they're probably going to be playing from behind and they're going to have trouble running the ball, all three of those guys should have enough targets to be reasonably yes. playable. So I would put them all in your lineup if they're out there. And I keep hearing whispers of Drew Sample again. You know, I just, I, no, 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 <sighs> just no. And as far as Cleveland goes, uh, I know Njoku's back and he's playing a little bit, but Hooper seems to be getting a good rapport with Baker Mayfield. And if he does have hurt ribs, he's not going to be able to launch the ball nearly as much as he used to. So I think Hooper might be able to be in play depending on if Baker Mayfield starts or not. And I'll tell you another I'm sorry, but I'm having fun with these cheap quarterbacks this week. If Case Keenum is playing, I'm building a lineup with Case Keenum as well. I'm just having fun with it because they do like to – they like to hand the ball off to Kareem Hunt, but more than anything, I think they like to throw the ball to Kareem Hunt. And so those are nice little dump-off passes that he's able to get and take to the house from any distance whatsoever. Yeah, you're right. And he's a great pass catcher that could take it and go. So you're absolutely right there. That's not a bad play. They they don't like to throw the ball a lot. So especially if Case Keenum does play, they'll probably throw even less than they do with Baker. But you're right on Hooper. Hooper has been, and I think there's a correlation between Landry breaking his ribs and playing mm-hmm. with broken ribs and Hooper getting more involved in the offense. Because maybe they're thinking Landry runs those routes over the middle. And he gets hit when he get when he runs those routes. Mm. So maybe they're thinking, well, this guy's playing with broken ribs. Let's not let him run over the middle and get railed by a linebacker. So let's let Hooper run those routes and get him involved. The direct correlation there. Boy, they I've heard rumors of, you know, as people speculated about where Fitz can go. Some people started bringing up Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle uh, Fitz and, and Odell on the same team. I, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I think Stefanski really likes Baker, which I'm not sure. I don't know many people right. that like Baker that much besides, you know, the Kangas man. Kangas is, is always defending Baker, so he doesn't think there's any truth to it, and he loves Baker, but he's also very biased. <laughs> I realize I said Fitz. And Odell. That's really that comes that comes close to saying something else. And Odell. That's not. <laughs> uh, next next game. Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Football Team. Both teams have got very high. What, what would you say? Snap rates or something? They they both of them play a lot of plays, right? Both yep. of them play a lot of plays. But the point total is only at forty six. So this one's a little bit deceiving. I don't know where all these plays are going to fall into place right here because uh, Vegas does not think that they're going to score a lot of points right now. It's basically a pick 'em game. If I'm not mistaken, I I don't I don't know what to do, man. I, Dalton did not look sharp at all last week. He stared at those wide receivers longer than I used to stare at the senior cheerleaders, the varsity cheerleaders when I was a freshman in high school. You know, I mean, he just stared them down and the, the Cardinals just kept picking them off. I really like the Washington football team's defense in this until uh, until he proves me otherwise. Yeah. And that's. 
defensive front for Washington is, is pretty ferocious. So they're going to be in the backfield, and they're going to be pressuring Dalton into bad decisions again. So the Washington defense is a sneaky one. That if people are picking up defenses and starting them as streaming defenses. Washington defense could be a good sneaky one. And, and you're right. I don't know that Dalton is, is able to – get something going with this offense. Look, I mean, he threw the ball 54 times last week. So if you're a guy who went out and spent your fab on Dalton, if you're in a super flex league and you need to start him, or if you're a Lamar manager and he's on a buy and Dalton's your backup, you're going to put him in there. Cause look, he's throwing the ball 54 times. If if you were back there throwing the ball 54 times, Wes, I, I would still put you in because I like that volume of the opportunity. So especially if you're throwing to these guys, I mean, you got Cooper Gallup and Lamb. He didn't really get anything going with any of them last week, which I was disappointed. I wanted to see him at least kind of get something going with one of them. And it looked like in the fourth quarter, he was hitting C.D. Lamb a lot. So that might be something we look to see if that continues to develop. Because Lamb's a slot guy who's running those routes over the middle. Dalton is trying to get the ball out quick. And especially if he's going to be pressured by the Washington defense this week, it could be a C.D. Lamb week. Gallup's not going to have time to get down the field. I know it was a rough week for Zeke, but to me, Zeke and Cooper both look very, I could care less about this game. In my opinion, their body language, when I was reading it, uh, it was about Andy Dalton more than anything else. I I saw Cooper running out of the huddle before Andy Dalton was able to finish that call. And he was standing up there at the, you know, on on the sidelines, kind of in the play as a wide receiver. And he just throw his hands down. And I'm, I'm telling you, it, he's he is far more respectful of the game than that. Cooper is. He I know I know he's had his issues in the NFL, but I know where he played uh, college football, and he was a very respectful guy there. Maybe he just doesn't think that he's getting his just due, but I also think he knows we're 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 down by 35 points, and there's no way we're coming back, and we're going to be down 35 points every single game with this guy as quarterback, and that's why I think Fitzpatrick might be headed to Dallas is because I do think that uh, those players run the show a little bit in Dallas. Okay, just just a little bit. They they have Jerry's ear. I hope you're right for the wide receivers' sake, because a lot of us and a lot of our listeners are very invested in these Dallas pass catchers. And I think Fitz will do a lot more for them than Andy Dalton will. I do, too. And as far as Washington goes, I know there's a backfield. I say a backfield controversy. There's a little backfield share going on there. Everybody says it's a get-right game for Gibson. But until Gibson gets McKissick off the, off the field, I'm taking McKissick every time because this team is down. Ron Rivera likes to throw the ball with Kyle Allen back there. I saw it last year in Carolina. Even when uh, Christian McCaffrey was back there, it was still kind of a— I want to say a pass it offense more so than a run it offense. And I think that Ron Rivera is starting to trust McKissick as that pass catching receiving back out of the backfield more so than Gibson. And I think you could fire him up. I can't wait to fire up McLaurin this weekend. And I'm telling you, Logan Thomas is running a lot of routes until he proves it. I don't want to start him. But I, I think you got to get out ahead of the Logan, Logan Thomas trade again. I, just, if I say that, just ignore me, though. I mean, tight end, uh, just ignore my Logan Thomas take, please. Well, I actually had to pick up Logan Thomas last week in our Hunger Bowl, and there was <laughs> nobody there. There was literally nobody yeah, there. So I was yes. trying to make a trade with people. Um, Hope had like three tight ends. So I was offering her 
I think I offered her James Washington for like her third tight end, which I think was Cam Brait. And she's like, oh, I'm never going to use Washington. I'm like, well, you're never going to use Braid either. She's like, well, I will if Gronk get hurt. I'm like, all right, whatever, never mind. I went out there. I picked up Logan Thomas. And sure enough, James Washington scored a touchdown and Logan Thomas scored a touchdown. So sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make. So I'm not going to stay with Logan Thomas. I still don't have faith that he's going to be in every week start for a tight end position. But he can get that touchdown, and and Terry McLaurin is obviously the alpha dog there, the the number one pass catcher. And I think against this defense, he's he has the opportunity to have a great week. I think even Dontrell Inman can score against this defense mm-hmm. if you think about it. So I mean, I, this is a good game. It, it has a forty six point total. It's not one of those fifty and overs. But I think the Dallas secondary is obviously very beatable. So you could see a couple of touchdowns here from the Washington side. Yeah, and you know I like Kyle Allen a lot. So, uh, all right, Detroit Lions at the Atlanta Falcons. This one, everybody's firing up everybody. It seems like in this game, and I I can't say I blame you. I just I think it's everybody. And man, I do, I don't I don't know about the Detroit Lion backfield, but it sure did look like Swift was running away with it. Yeah, it did. It did. And and I don't know if AP is you know handing the reins over quite no, yet. No. But, no, oh. he, he's obviously going to stay involved, and it's Matt Patricia. So he's he's a disciple of Bill Belichick. He's going to frustrate us regardless. So now yes. as soon as everyone who's had Swift on their bench goes, oh, yes, it's Swift time now. I'm going to put him in my lineup. We're going to see AP again this week. Well, shoot, we might see carry on more this week. So <laughs> you never know what's going to happen with Matt Patricia. But I think it's a good game for the pass catchers. Now, this is where it's tricky for me, Wes, because last week – I started Stafford and Galladay in almost all of my DFS lineups. Thank God I had Derrick Henry and Justin Jefferson that bailed me out. But Stafford, Galladay, and even had Hawkinson in a bunch of them. And they did nothing because I was watching that game and they were handing the ball off and handing the ball off and handing the ball off. So I don't know if that's the identity that Matt Patricia is trying to have for this team is to be a run first offense, a ground and pound offense. But that would be a shame against this Atlanta defense because you really want to see Stafford, Galladay, Hawkinson, Marvin Jones if he's healthy. You want to see these guys take advantage of this Atlanta secondary that I think is going to get better, Wes, and I think they're going to start to get better, especially under the new coach who's a defensive mind. Raheem Morris is a defensive-minded coach, so I think they're going to get better. But I'd like to see the Detroit offense take advantage of this matchup this week. I would too, and I'm just going to warn you. I mean, just... I've been a Galladay owner almost every year in a redraft league that I'm in. And it just, it just happens to fall that way. And uh, every year, it's you sweat him the first half. All right. And I've gotten used to it because I'm like, all right, he's like Hopkins now. You know, he's just, he's Hopkins. And the second half is whenever he does all his work. And anything in the first half is gravy. So I just don't worry about it. He's a plug and play person every time. Seems like he's going to get you that 12 to 14 points, depending on, you know, what, what, what your league scoring is. But he's always just going to be able to get you that no matter what. And then at some point, he's going to go off for the two or three touchdown game. I think they're really missing, though, that complimentary piece to him. Marvin Jones Jr. just has not done anything whatsoever. And Hawkinson, like I said, just hasn't produced. Maybe it's just Matthew Stafford. Maybe Matthew Stafford isn't right. And that's why the the passing game just isn't what it used to be in Detroit. Yeah, and I think this will be the make-or-break week for Marvin Jones. Anyone who's been holding on to him that hasn't dropped him yet, and I know a lot of people have dropped him, but if he doesn't put up this week, then then he's droppable. Yeah, as far as Atlanta Falcons go, uh, it sure looks a lot better whenever Julio Jones is healthy, doesn't it? 
It does, and it helps everybody. It helps it Russell is. Gage, too, because you saw Russell Gage more involved this week with both Jones and Ridley healthy. So it really helps all three of the wide receivers when Julio's out there. It helped the defense, too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing. And I, I think there is some goofy stat about Julio Jones having the most tackles of any wide receiver. or uh, so, I mean, there's there's a goofy stat like that where... Oh, it's probably just a Twitter highlight thing, you know, wherever they show uh, him making a bunch of tackles, which is kind of funny, to be honest with you. It's kind of funny. Hey, let me remind everybody that they are listening to the Fantasy Magnet podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. And I am Wes Easley, your host, at Loafinit on Twitter. Make sure you follow me. JB, I'm really close. 4,000 followers, almost at 4,000. Wow, look at you, man. Yeah, it's really like 3,200, but I mean, 4,000 is like right (laughs) around the corner. You know that's awesome, bro. I, I, well, I'm trying to get to 1500. So hey, follow, follow. <laughs> well, you got you got to get on some of them follow trains, man. I I decided, well, yeah, just hey, let's play the game all the kids are playing or something like that. <laughs> but no, you make sure you follow me over on Twitter at Loafinit. I hope to ha- be a good interaction there on Twitter. And plus, you can send me some game day things, and uh, you can always tell me whenever I'm wrong. That's something that a lot of people seem to enjoy doing. They very rarely tell me whenever I'm right. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm never right, or that's just embarrassing. Whenever I walk out on a really thin thin limb like I do sometimes. But uh, don't forget to follow JB as well at Fantasy Coach JB Barry or at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter and the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Head over to Anchor FM, find Fantasy Impact Today. You can look at whatever kind of platform you enjoy listening to the show on and you can subscribe to the show there. If it happens to be on the iTunes app, make sure you slap those stars around for us a little bit. Leave a review or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And JB, there is a way people can leave a message there's a microphone on there, whether or not they've downloaded the Anchor app or whether or not they're listening to it on the computer or on Twitter. You can find a little microphone there and they can leave a message. Now, that doesn't mean we'll have to play the message on the air. If you'd like it to be played on the air, we will. But also that just allows you to be able to interact with the show and maybe ask us some questions other than finding us on Twitter and asking us that way. So it's kind of cool to be able to do that. Yeah, and guys, retweet the show when we post it and tag your friends in it so that they could listen to it. Also, obviously, you don't want your league mates to to hear the same advice you're getting, but we appreciate the (laughs) share and and hope that we're a good listen. Look, there's a lot of stuff out there that we talk about, so we appreciate you getting it out to your friends and to audience that might not be listening. I'm actually working on some giveaways. I'm talking to a guy and getting some hats made up because when we talked about the hoodies that, that you and I have, Wes, I... What my friend Scott Frankel out in Las Vegas is like, well, I got no use for a hoodie out here. So <laughs> I'm hey. talking to somebody about getting a couple of hats made. So guys, retweet the show, tag a few friends, and we might do a little giveaway one of these weeks. I've been thinking about the giveaway thing, too. I, I See, our great minds think alike here on the Fantasy Magazine. Both of us are repelled or, or, or drawn to the same one. So we're attracted to the same ideas. I, I've been thinking of, have you ever heard of Tasty Cakes where you where you live? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. We, yeah. That, that I'm I'm a proud representative of the Tasty Cake franchise. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, man. We can put up some goodie baskets. We can do some things like that. So uh, I, there's there's plenty of different opportunities with that, and there's some good barbecue down here in Alabama too. I've been thinking about that during the holiday season to be able to uh, give some prizes. I'll send you away. my address. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama white sauce. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't. No. Uh, it's it's much well yes it's 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 different it's different but uh we like it down here now, hey, hey do you have banana moon pies while we're veering off topic do you guys have banana moon pies down there 
we do have banana. I'm sure I can find banana poop. But listen, I had a, today I was starving and uh, running a bread route this week. And I had I stopped to get something to eat. And I was at a little gas station or something. And I was hoping like their their lunch special was going to be lasagna or spaghetti or something. I was just in that kind of mood. And, and it was pork chops, right? And I, I've always made it a policy never to buy pork chops at a gas station. It's just <laughs> one of my policies. But That's but a I good policy. well and it was either that or chicken fingers, livers and gizzards, something like that. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And I was just eyeballing really. I was eyeballing three things: the macaroni and cheese, the mashed potatoes and gravy, and the banana pudding. That's what I was. That's what I was eyeballing. And I didn't care what meat came with it. They gave me. They 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 put the pork chop in there. The pork chop went out the window near some drain <laughs> vent where I know some cats hang out. That's what that. That's what happened with that. I ate the other three things, and and I had dropped my banana pudding. It almost made me cry. I dropped oh, my banana no. pudding. Oh yeah, uh, upside down banana pudding cake is what I had or whatever. <laughs> but uh, it was still this. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't. I didn't like scrape it up off the ground. I just. It was just on the top of the container a little bit. Well, so. I asked about the moon pies because Jordan Loop keeps talking about it in one of our group chats. And obviously up here in New York, we, I've never heard of a banana moon pie. So if the, I, I was asking you if it's a thing because, I mean, it sounds delicious to me. And he sent a picture of one and it looks great, but I can't get them up here. Really? Have you ever had a moon pie? Yes. Okay. An RC Cola? Because that's big down here. Um, oh, I love RC Cola. We don't have it here. Well, we have it, but it's like, you know, the little stepbrother to the to the main lines. But I yeah. love RC Cola. Okay. <laughs> well, no, there's, if, I, if I see a banana pudding, I, I bet you I can find one tomorrow. I, I'm almost positive I can find one tomorrow. Not a problem. I'll, I'll find it. I'll see it. Uh, I'll owe you something for the uh, hoodie that you that you got anyway. It's almost getting that hoodie cold <laughs> weather, by the way. It's, it's, it's starting to get that way in the morning time when you wake up on a bread man's hours. But, uh, hey, let's get into the Green Bay Packer game. Green Bay Packer versus the Houston Texans, another one that everybody's firing up. I think this may be the highest point total of a 57 points right here. So everybody's going to be looking to play this one in DFS and in every kind of redraft league or whatever kind of league you're in. You're going to be looking to get some action out of this one. Green Bay got throttled by your Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. So this might be a, uh, I don't know, he might, Aaron Rodgers might have green in his eyes this week. Yeah, and we talked about Josh Allen wanting to get right after a couple of letdown games and him possibly going off this week. Aaron Rodgers is the other quarterback who I'd be looking to come back with with a vengeance. And against this defense, is it's a good spot for him to do that. And Devonta Adams will probably draw the Bradley Robry shadow, but I'm not afraid of that. I think that, you know, he came back last week. He got like 10 targets, didn't do much with it because he had the Carlton Davis on him. And Carlton Davis is a better corner than Bradley Roby. So I think that Adams is still going to get peppered with a ton of targets. I think it'll be a good game for Adams, a great game for Rodgers, a good game for Jones. And I guess Tanyan can can do something. I, I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm not a believer in Tanyan. I think he was a one-hit wonder. But somebody else has to catch passes, and it's not going to be Valdez-Scantling. So it might be Tanyan. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. It could be the Aaron Rodgers, Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams show. This this, this has got to just go back to those three amigos right there, I think, in the uh, law, form, law firm of Rodgers, Adams, and uh yeah yeah and jones uh that that's who i think it's got to be i but maybe maybe tampa bay found the clue in stopping that but i think the houston texas wind is out of out of their sails they're one in five right now 
Uh, that's a tough division that they're in. They're almost out of it, in my opinion. I mean, this is a do-or-die game, and their backs are up against the wall at home. they got to win this game if they have any shot at the postseason. But, man, uh, I don't know. They they were playing like that last week as well when they started going for that. I don't know if you know, watched the end of that Tennessee Titan game or not, and Romeo Cornell started making some weird decisions at the end of that game from a head coaching standpoint of, Going for two instead of going for one on a fourth quarter thing instead of kicking the field goal. It was just. Uh, it was I just, like the call. I don't know I if like I like going for. I didn't like going for two. I didn't like I going like for two. I like the call, and here's why: because he he wasn't going to lose the game by going for two. If he got the two, they win the game, no questions asked. If they don't get the two, they're still up seven. So the other team's going to come down, and if they score, they're not going to go for two. They're going to kick the extra point. You're going to go to overtime. So you're not taking this gamble like Riverboat Ron did, and if you don't get it, you lose the game. I like the call by Cornell because it's like, and he even said after the woods, hey, we got to make plays, you know, so if we're going to make a play, if and they almost did. If that ball wasn't tipped, Randall Cobb is wide open in the end zone. So if that ball doesn't get tipped at the end, we're talking about this as, oh my God, what a great decision Romeo Cornell made. So I like the call. I did because it didn't put him in a position to lose the game, but it put him in a position to shut the door and close the game. So I kind of liked it. Yeah, I, I, as an odd guy, I'm I'm looking at it going, well, you, you just put the odds in their favor of being able to tie the game a little bit easier, in my opinion. I mean, if they were going to go down and score a touchdown, the, if, you, if you're playing the odds, it's less chance of an opportunity to be able to go for two and make it. I don't know, man. I'd, well, Fairbairn also missed an extra point earlier that game, yeah, too, so that yeah. could have played in the decision. That that could have. Uh, either way, they they ended up losing that ball game, and they let Derrick Henry run all over them. Did you see that long run? Oh, oh my baby. god, what an animal! And did you see Deshaun Watson at the coin flip when they did the coin flip yeah. and and, yeah. and Tennessee won the toss? He just threw his hands in the air and walked away because he knew giving him the ball, the game was over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's a little history there, a little Clemson, Alabama history, too, you know, and I'm sure that they've had some laughs and some jokes about that. Uh, uh, so that that was fun to look at and watch and see. It's it's good to see their personalities come out. But how, yeah, how true that was. Which, Deshaun Watson's personality is coming out. I mean, getting rid of Bill O'Brien and having Romeo Cornell, who's always been a respected players coach uh, I think Watson's starting to look and feel better um, that's why we saw them play a little bit better last week and even the week before the last two weeks without O'Brien we've seen them getting better now they're not they're still not a great team I still don't think that they're going to be a playoff team just I don't think that there's enough and and they're so bad on the defensive end of the ball and and with a fired up Aaron Rodgers this week I think that they lose again but their offensive weapons are certainly playable because if this is a game that in DFS, you we talk about, you know, lining them up and running it back or stacking them up and running them back. So if you're going to play that law firm trio on the Green Bay side, you could certainly run it back with with, you know, Brandon Cooks or maybe even Cobb. But I think Fuller is going to get to Jair Alexander. So I'd be wary about Fuller because Jair Alexander is a poor man's Jalen Ramsey. I think Jair Alexander is now what Jalen Ramsey was a couple years ago. He's just not known as well as Jalen Ramsey. Jair Alexander is an awesome shutdown corner, so I'd be wary about Will Fuller this week. But I do like Cooks, I do like Cobb, and I even like Watson a lot. And David Johnson, don't forget about that either. Your guy Ronald Jones ran all over the Green Bay Packers last week. Which, you know, when you say that, when I say that, I know at the same time I'm I'm thinking twice about my statement because – 
they're going to want to stop the run this week. You know, it's a slap in the defense's face. So now they're going to bow up and they're going to want to stop the run. But at the same time, if you sell out to stop that run, which maybe you're not going to do because it is David Johnson, who might be a little bit slower, who isn't as explosive as a Ronald Jones Maybe I, I, you know, I, I would give the nod to the younger buck there, even though we want to give the You're nod to David to say Johnson. That. Ronald Jones is showing people that he's a real running back now, so you don't have to be one of the people that still doesn't believe in Rojo. You're allowed to believe, Wes. You're allowed to right. believe. No, no, and and you know, I'm <laughs> saying that though because you know David Johnson is David Johnson, but we tip the cap usually to him for namesake. Now it's not from fantasy standpoint. It's not because of his production. He hasn't had production like he did that one season for quite some time now and and so when I tip my cap that way I'm not, if I'm the Green Bay Packers I'm not as worried about David Johnson as I'm worried about stopping that passing game so this might be another opportunity for David Johnson just like it was for Rojo last week to be able to put up some good numbers between the tackles especially yeah, and I guess it's a matter of which game script happens. Does Green Bay sell out to stop the run because they were embarrassed by last week, or do they continue to get shredded on the ground? So I guess that's a that's a we'll see what happens thing. I, I am thinking that they're going to be playing from behind, so they'll have to throw more. And David Johnson's a good pass catching back, but they're not using him to catch passes out of the backfield. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not certain on Johnson. Obviously, he's an RB2. If, if you're in your seasonal league, you got to start him and hope that he does, you know, at least part of what Ronald Jones did last week. But I think I'm more interested in the passing attack this week from them in a game that they should be playing from behind. Okay, I can get on board with that, but I, I still think you got if you, especially DFS, you got to put David Johnson in one of those games if you're gonna line him up and and then run him back with the Green Bay Packers. So that's that's my opinion. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tennessee Titans, JB. Both of these teams are undefeated right now. Undefeated. What a game. The point total is 50 points. I think that uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers are favored by one right now, if I'm not mistaken. And what I'm looking at here on Odd Shark, they're favored by one. Uh, look, this is a great game. It's in Tennessee. I think I'm going to tip my hat to Tennessee just because, man, until you stop Derrick Henry and until you stop Ryan Tannehill, I got I got to wait until I see it to not believe it. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill surprised me cuz I I always looked at Ryan Tannehill as a good enough quarterback, you know, kind of a Brad Johnson type or a Trent Dilfer type that, you know, can manage the game and make the throws when he has to, but he showed us to be more than that so far this year. He's grading out as the fourth highest quarterback on PFF. He, he's playing really good football. And obviously it's easy when you got Derrick Henry behind you to hand the ball off to. So defenses are drawn towards that running game. But he's also been throwing the ball well. And you see his connection with A.J. Brown once Brown got back healthy, really, really coming to fruition here. And I think that Tannehill is a guy that I, I'm, conf- I'm confident in starting now in season-long leagues. I can't say that I blame you at all. And and not only that, but we got a, another tip of the cap to Mike Vrabel, who just coached this team so well. Uh, he, he just does a great job at being a head coach. That apple doesn't fall far from that Bill Belichick tree at all when you look at this guy. I think his first year there, I was barking, hey, man, he needs to be coach of the year because he was beating some of the undefeated teams left and right, left and right. And that was it was really fun to watch that Tennessee Titan team. And he hasn't slacked off one bit. He just continues to outcoach the other coach each and every week. What a, what a great coach he's, he is. 
He's a phenomenal coach, and if I was starting a franchise, he'd be the guy that I'd throw the truckload at to get him on my team because he does things that people don't realize. At the end of last game in the fourth quarter, he sent the player out onto the field mm-hmm. to get a too many men on the field penalty. I don't know if you saw this video. I did. It was I did. awesome. I think I tweeted it, but he sent the guy out to get a 12 men on the field penalty, stopped the clock, acted like he was upset about it, but it was all part of his plan to get them more time on the clock. And then they went ahead and scored a touchdown with four seconds left to tie the game and send it to overtime. So, I mean, this guy's awesome. Mike Vrabel is, is he's not talked about in that conversation, but he's his phenomenal coach. I love him as a coach. Yeah. He, he finds ways to bend the rules, exploit the rules. I don't know. (laughs) He doesn't break the rules. He just exploits the rules. He finds little loopholes in the rules, kind of like Bill Belichick did. Once again, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And and over there on the on the Pittsburgh side, if Deontay Johnson is back, I guess that puts a a damper on Claypool's outlook, I guess. Maybe that takes away from Washington. I don't think it takes away from Juju because Juju... Man, I'm not going to say he's droppable in a lot of leagues, but you talk about a name that we're tipping our cap to from a couple of years ago, and Juju's that name. Yeah, Juju's been disappointed. I thought last week would be a week for him having a big game, and it was Washington who did what I thought Juju would do. So I, I don't know. I'm, I, yeah, obviously, you have to start Juju because you picked him, and, and he's your wide receiver, too, in most leagues, and you probably don't have guys to start over him. But I think that with Deontay Johnson back, it's going to take away from Washington more than it takes away from Claypool. They like running three receiver sets. So when they do run the three receiver sets, it's going to be Deontay on the outside, Claypool on the outside, Juju in the slot. Now, they are a team that does run a decent amount of 12 personnel with two tight ends. When that happens, it is going to be Claypool that's affected because I I don't think that he's because of what he's done while Deontay was injured is going to make him the de facto number one. Deontay Johnson's the guy who they've shown that they want to be their number one. They want to kind of mold into an Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. So I think that Deontay Johnson's a guy who you could buy low on right now. So if you're listening to this on Friday and, you know, the Deontay Johnson manager is still not sure if he's going to start or not. He's been let down by a few bad weeks and injured weeks. Go out there and get Deontay Johnson. You could probably get him for, you know, 60 cents on the dollar. So go out and grab him because he's a guy that Pittsburgh wants as their number one. And with all the Claypool hype, he's undervalued. But I think he comes right back in that number one position. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about Deontay Johnson, but I think Claypool has taken that torch. And I know what they were trying to mold him into. I heard all the talk. I read the articles. I heard Ben Roethlisberger, extra practices, all that stuff. But I can also remember Ben Roethlisberger in in practices before the season began, hooking up with Claypool, hooking up with Claypool. Every day there was a new little video of him hooking up with Claypool and in the end zone, in the end zone. And I think that Claypool, during Deontay Johnson's time away, has taken that torch away from him. And if you have that rapport with Ben Roethlisberger, he looks for you. Okay, that's we know Ben locks in on a receiver. I know he had Antonio Brown and then he complimented it with Juju Smith-Schuster. But Juju, he he was kind of gimmicky that year whenever he put up all those fantasy point numbers. Mm -hmm. He was a little gimmicky. And I don't think Claypool is like gimmicky. Much, I mean, I know he's running it in, I guess, from the one getting handoffs and all that, but he's proven himself as a receiver as well. So I, I'm going to stick with Claypool. I, Deontay Johnson has got to come back and earn it for me on the field, and I think Claypool's Roethlisberger's guy. 
Okay, you might be right. Let's let's see this week will be a good test to see it. Because in a battle of five and O teams, they're gonna okay. need somebody to make plays. Woo! I'm looking forward to watching this game. That's, that's I'm looking for. I, I I am a Bears fan at heart, but I've been down south long enough to where I'm a born again Southerner. And the the Titans, of course, came into play during my time while I've been down here. And then, of course, when they they had those guys, though, I mean, they had Eddie George and Steve McNair back in the day, that Music City Miracle and all those things going on. You know, it was a fun team to watch back then. And then when they drafted Derrick Henry, they just solidified a place in my heart always. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they're right. a fun team to watch and a well-coached team. So that's always good. Seattle Seahawks, another five and O team going against the Arizona Cardinals, who's four and two. To hold me, on, Jake, Wes. Hold on, Wes. There was a schedule change a couple hours, about an hour or so ago. Yep, they moved the Seattle Arizona game to Sunday Night Football, and they moved my Bucks out of the primetime game to a four o'clock game because the Raiders are dealing with COVID concerns. So I think the NFL doesn't want a chance not having a Sunday Night Football game. The entire Raiders offensive line is on the COVID reserve list right really? now. Yep. So I think that they moved that game to make sure that they had a Sunday night game and Seattle, Arizona got moved to Sunday night. So that'll be a good one for us to kind of push back to later. But that Tampa Bay Las Vegas game is the one that got moved up into that four o'clock spot. I don't know if it's going to happen West because I mean, with five offensive linemen on the, on the COVID reserve list, uh, there might be more that comes in. So, Definitely keep an eye on the news on that one. Mm. But if that is the case, Buccaneers defense is just going to feast on Derek Carr. I wouldn't start Derek Carr or any of those pass catches. Josh Jacobs, you have to start, but you'd be worried about starting him with backup offensive linemen. I mean, you think about it. You got, you know, two or three backups, right, that are on your regular roster. No, they can't play that game. They can't. I mean, that's just, it's unfair competition. Well, and, and I don't know that. There hasn't been talk about moving it out of the week yet. They moved it to 4 o'clock because there are backups on the offensive line. There's practice squad guys. You know, they could go out and sign a couple of bouncers from one of them Las Vegas casinos. (laughs) But, I mean, if that is the case and they don't postpone this, you're right. I agree. I think it'll be kind of unfair because, I mean, have you seen the Bucks front seven going against, you know, backups and and practice squad players they're gonna feast all over them so i mean i I would be afraid if this game does get played to play anybody on las vegas offense yeah if i'm Derek carr i'm calling in sick you know (laughs) i'm just not no way no way i'm saying put Mariota back there oh Mariota's not even available he can't play that's my john Gruden. he can't even play Uh, well then you do it coach oh You know, <laughs> no he way. might call Rich Gannon and ask him to come back and play for a game. <laughs> well, I, I, we're going to have to wait and see. I don't even want to comment on this game. I guess we would say fire up all those Tampa Bay Buccaneers if that's the case. And once again, I'll use the same game script that I use for the Buffalo Bills. If that's the case, I think that Tampa Bay, if Leonard Fournette is going to play in that game, and whoever whoever the backup running back is, he, that would be a good DFS option because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be up by a thousand points by halftime. Well, I think them getting up by a thousand points is going to be Ronald Jones scoring another two touchdowns. The Las Vegas defense is terrible against the run, so Ronald Jones is a guy who, who I'm putting in a bunch of DFS lineups if this game does go because he'll score a couple of touchdowns again, and they'll be able to run the ball because they'll be up by a lot, so a lot of volume there too. Obviously, you're going to start Evans. You're going to start Godwin. Um, you saw Gronk actually get into the end zone for the first time this year, last week, so you know Brady and Gronk might be a stop. 
reestablishing their connection. So, I mean, all those Tampa Bay weapons, like you said, get them in your lineups and, and let's hope this game plays. And a big blowout like that, though, like this one might be in the Buffalo Bills game might be. I always look for those second string running backs to do a little damage uh, down near the goal line because, they, you know, running backs are very valuable. Very, very valuable. And if they're going to hand the ball off that many times, you might as well allow the the second string guy to be able to get some work in, to get some reps in, because he just doesn't see them all that often. And that's their opportunities to get their stats that they need to continue to uh, want to suit up each and every week. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so, if they're up by a lot, you might see them get some uh, Keyshawn Vaughn in there to get the rookie yeah. some burn. Yeah. Or, like I said, uh, get right time for Leonard Fournette. All right, so we'll skip over that Seahawks game. We'll move down to the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Los Angeles Chargers. And here on Oddshark, it's uh, oddshark.com, NFL scores. Very unusual predicted score for the Los Angeles Chargers. I've looked at this a couple of times this week, and it hasn't changed. They're predicting the Chargers to score like 39 points this week, and the Jacksonville Jaguars to only be scoring 13. J.B., if if that's the case, you got to fire up every charger imaginable, and the Chargers are favored by seven and a half points on this one. I picked up the Chargers defense two weeks ago because I think when the COVID schedule changed everything, the Chargers initially were supposed to be facing the Jets this week, and then COVID changed it all with the Steelers or with the Titans. I don't, I don't remember which. I don't I don't know what team it was. Anymore. Yeah, they were supposed to play the Jets last week, which ended up being the yeah. bye. But I just picked up the Chargers also a bunch of places because they got Jacksonville, Denver, Las Vegas, Miami, Jets as their next five games. Yes, so. and, and you're done with them as far as a bye week goes, hopefully, that yep. they don't have to go through that anymore. So that that's a perfect storm as far as the Chargers go. And then I picked up the Chiefs this week as well on the DFS or on the defensive side of things because they play the Jets next week and they got the Broncos this week. So nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I would yeah. go steal uh, I would go Chargers this week because yeah. um and Kansas City will talk about that being a snow game which is not great for a defense, but uh, I would definitely go Chargers this game cuz their defense against the Gardner Minshew led Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think the Jaguars are able to put up a lot of points. Um, I think that the Chargers defense is a unit that has shown that they they are one of those top defenses. They're playing really well. Um, you know, they've had a lot of losses as far as injury go before the season started, so we didn't know what we were going to get out of them. But they've been playing really well. Um, I think that that we're seeing Robinson kind of come back to earth after a, mm-hmm. a big showing. So I think he's coming back to earth and showing us that he's a he's a he's a reasonable running back. You know, he's a low end RB two, maybe to a high end RB two in a good matchup. But I don't think this is a good matchup for him. So on the Jacksonville side of the ball, I mean, if you have Chark, you probably gotta play him. I don't think it's a great matchup for him. If he gets Casey Hayward, it's gonna be even a tougher matchup for him. So I might look to Lavisca on the other side of the ball. Keelan Cole's been really sneaky out of the slot. He's been quietly putting up numbers and having a really good year. You know what college Keelan Cole went to? Keelan Cole, Keelan Cole. Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to guess. Uh, now, I'm not looking it up. I'm, I'm just absolutely guessing. I'm terrible at these games, by the way. I have no idea. Keelan Cole, it looks like Tulane, Tulane. No, and I thought that and it, I'm terrible at these games, too. But I figured you'd like to hear that he went to Kentucky Wesleyan. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> And I he's been like producing. That. I mean, I, we talked about the Hunger mm-hmm. Bowl being a deep league, and I've had him in my roster. And 
he's been producing. The guy's been putting up numbers. He, he's graded real well on PFS as a 31st ranked wide receiver. So, I mean, I, I think that if you're going to play people on this offense, they're going to be playing from behind. We, we had assume, right. Being a big underdog. So you're going to play guys from their passing attack. And to me, it's probably going to be Keelan Cole out of the slot chalk. You got to play, but it's a tough matchup. So if you're looking to, if you're actually going to do contrarian and stack the the charges and run it back with a Jaguar, it might be a sneaky Keelan Cole at a discount. I think I agree with you. And I don't know, uh, Keelan, uh, listen, Herbert is just playing out of his mind. What a great rookie uh, pickup right there and just playing, playing fantastic. No doubt the trainer was paid something to give uh, Tyrod a, t- a shot, man. They, they had to figure out a way out of that. Tyrod Taylor's our starter thing, but uh, you don't even see it. That's not even a rumor anymore, but I think Keelan Allen is a great look. If his, if he's looking a little bit healthy, if not, Mike Williams, once again, always going to be questionable tag. I don't think you have to worry about that. He's a game day player on, on Sundays. He, he really comes down weird though. You ever notice that? Like yeah, he needs, he needs, you know what he needs to do? He's, he's there in Los Angeles. He needs to go to a studio where they shoot movies and take some falling lessons from like a a, a, a a stunt double or something like that. Just he needs to figure out a way to fall, and that's true. You know, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, that's what he did. Did you know mm-hmm. that? Yeah, mm-hmm. he he did that. I mean, that's that's something that really Mike Williams needs to look into. The, the Los Angeles Chargers need to find a way to help him figure out how to be able to jump after a ball like that and come down a little bit more gracefully. Maybe yeah, he needs to I take thought LA. he got hurt. <laughs> didn't uh oh no it was ballroom dancing that matt leinert took in his senior year of college but yeah i mean I, he looked like he got hurt again on the last play of the game last week i thought he was gonna be hurt but he did get up and he walked away from it but he came down really awkward and he does that a lot but we did see that herbert was going to him a lot and a lot of that was because keenan allen got hurt and he was out of the game so i'm curious to see how it works with both of them healthy because we haven't really seen that yet first williams was banged up then allen got hurt last game so with the two of them healthy and, and Herbert slinging the rock pretty well, I'd like to see how they're both utilized. I think they're both viable options to put in your lineup. You know, Keenan Allen's a, a wide receiver two for you, where Mike Williams is a wide receiver three slash flex guy. Um, the backfield for the charge is a little tricky to figure out mm. because Joshua Kelly is a guy who everyone expected to take the reins once Austin Eckler went down. But last week he was out snapped by Justin Jackson. It was a, a 35% snap share for Josh Kelly. He was only out touched 20 to 12. It wasn't that bad. But it was Justin Jackson that was on the field more. Now, it was a stout Saints front seven that they faced. So Joshua Kelly really didn't have much room to run. Chargers are also getting back to their offensive linemen this week, coming off of a bye. So I think Joshua Kelly is a guy who I have as one of my sexy flexies that I think people are going to be off of him and kind of thinking that it's Justin Jackson. But if it's a game that they're up, that they're expected to win, they're going to be running between the tackles. And that guy is Joshua Kelly. The Chargers, uh, I mean, uh, the Jaguars have been really bad against the run. They're the 27th in PPR points per game to the running back position. They've allowed the fourth most fantasy points to the position for the past four weeks. So with those two starting offensive linemen back, I think Kelly's going to have some holes to run through. I think he gets 12 to 15 carries. He'll pepper in a couple of targets there. So as long as he can get 50 yards and get into the end zone, he's a solid flex option in my mind. All right, so you finished just a little bit too early uh, because I was sitting here looking for the Los Angeles Chargers head coach's name. I only made Anthony like two Lynn, clicks. who I loves think his, Joshua Kelly. 
I think his name is Anthony Lynn, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I know you said it. That's I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to be podcast funny. <laughs> baby. Uh, and and yes, you, he says he loves that guy. But but look, he has proven time and time again, like like sticking with Tyrod Taylor or sticking with that veteran. Justin Jackson's been in that offense for a little while. He's the guy he trusts. So I think that he's the guy to own. I hear you about the I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but I just think that Justin Jackson looked so good last week that it's going to be hard for him not to be slotted into that lineup. And as far as Hunter Henry goes, JB, I think as I've been thinking about this, because I've been thinking about Hunter Henry a little bit and who to play in this game, because it does have such a, a high predicted score. I, I think the rookie's eyes don't doesn't he doesn't look that ten yards down the field. He looks at twelve, fifteen yards down the field, or he looks to Keenan Allen as a trustworthy you know security blanket, or he looks at Williams way down the field. He's not looking in that mid range right now. You know what I'm saying? Like he just he can't see the whole field, and and right now he's just keying in on those two guys. That's that's what I think's happening, and I don't think that that's really going to change too much until there's enough reps under his belt. But uh, I, I I can't see that being this game. I don't know. I, I, I kind of disagree with you on this one, Wes, because I think that Hunter Henry has a great matchup against Jacksonville, who's not good covering the tight end. Hunter Henry has been getting targeted. I mean, in, in the five games he's played so far this year, he's got at least seven targets in four out of the five. He just didn't do much with it last. I mean, the last game they played week five against New Orleans, he got seven targets, only caught four of them, only went for 23 yards, but he scored. So Hunter Henry's a guy who especially with a volatile tight end position. He's a guy that you're starting in your lineup, and I think that he, he ends the season as a top five, top seven tight end. Well, t- maybe may- I'll give you top seven maybe, but that's not really hard to do. I mean, you can fall in the end zone and score 24 points a week or 24 points through five weeks, and you can end up being a top seven tight end. That tight end position, man, that's so important. And I see it this year more than any other year with those Kelchies, those Kittles, the mm-hmm. the Wallers, man, they just set you apart from the rest. I mean, Kelsey has so many fantasy points right now, it's ridiculous. Yep, and what a perfect segue into our next game, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, and, and that's, nice that's what job, I intended. Wes. That's what I intended. No, I, I, I couldn't see two feet in front of me. I, Kansas City Chiefs versus those Denver Broncos, and like you said, inclement weather. I just I talked to a guy today. I, you you know I've been on a bread route this week. I've had to run a bread route, so I've been working. But I enjoy doing that because I get to go out and see people. I love going out and seeing more people. And whenever you're back there in like a you know a grocery store or something, and you're grinding with those guys who are working back there. One of the guys' names, I, I we'll just we'll just say his name is Jack. Okay, we'll say no, we'll we'll say his name is Jack uh, because that's that's his name. And I, I, he he'll always say, "Who's the best? Look, it's Wes." Kind of a thing like that. He'll just always joke. And I I've made up some song about Jack today. I can't remember what I did, but uh, he, I asked him how the weather was back home because he was from Denver. And he said, oh, man, it's already snowed there one time this year. And it's supposed to. My daughter's just left. And when they left from here, which right now it's like 80 degrees in Alabama, just great weather, great weather. And he said, when they left, they're going to land. And it's supposed to be minus 20 or 20 degrees. I can't remember what he said, 20 or minus 20. Either way, that, that that's pretty cold from, from Alabama's standpoint. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, you know, it's just going to be a rude awakening for them when they get home. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely will. And it's going to be a weird game here because 
I mean, a lot of people were even asking questions. I saw somebody ask on Twitter, should they bench Mahomes? What? Like, like yeah, the weather's going to be inclement, but you don't bench Mahomes because there's going to be a little bit of snow. If you think about it, and I kind of mentioned it when we talked about last game, but when we talk about snow and snow on the ground or slippery field, that's against the defense. That hurts the defense more than it hurts the offense. If you think about it, the defense is already playing, you know, trying to figure out what the offense is going to do. But now they got to backpedal in a slushy field or, you know, have to navigate through snowflakes or whatever. That's that's I wouldn't put that as a knock on the quarterback. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. But uh, I could see their concerns about an injury or whatever. Uh, But at the same time, Patrick Mahomes plays in Kansas City. He signed a long-term deal there. He has got to learn how to play in these kind of games. There's going to be times when it's money on the table time, and it's not a 5-1 and one team where they're almost solidified a playoff spot this year, you know, just because of the team's talent and so forth. He, he has to have this experience under his belt, period. Otherwise, yep. there's no reason for you to have him because there's going to be games in Kansas City in December when he, he has to play these or in a playoff environment where he has to play these and he has to know how to win these kind of games and play these kind of games. Um, would I even tell him as a head coach to be conservative? No. I, I tell him to go out and play as hard as he can play, play just like usual, go out there and figure it out because the minute somebody starts playing conservative, that's the minute they end up getting hurt. Yep, exactly. You're absolutely right. And I think that that's what Andy Reid will have them prepped to do. I don't think they're going to change a thing. I think Mahomes is, is you know, obviously Mahomes, he's a, he's if if he's not the number one QB of the week, he's, you know, top three or four. Because, I mean, you think about it, two of them we'll talk about it for the Sunday night game now. But it's Mahomes, it's Rodgers, it's Allen, and it's the two Sunday night guys. I mean, they're the top quarterbacks. So there shouldn't even be a hesitation or a thought about not starting Pat Mahomes. You're going to start Tyreek Hill. You're going to start Travis Kelsey. These are your guys. Now, CEH might, after a great performance last week, Le'Veon Bell is not guaranteed to play this week. So even if he does, I would still be confident in going CEH this week. Um, I don't think we have to worry about that timeshare much until next week. So let's go with CEH this week. But I know you want to talk about that secondary wide receiver, don't you? <laughs> I don't know if I want to talk about Hard. Are you talking about Hardman or are you talking about Robinson? Because I love exactly. Robinson. Exactly. Exactly. That's the question. <laughs> well, and I had that start sit question last week. I told you, and I think I was the one barking the Robinson Robinson thing. And I did. I ended up not listening to myself. And I got, t- I, I'm tired of listening to all you experts. All you experts kept saying, not just you, not just uh, Johnny or not just a Pee Nope. I'm not just, I'm, I'm talking about everybody kept saying Hardman, Hardman, Hardman. And I'm like, oh, Hardman, Hardman, Hardman. I just kept listening <laughs> to everybody. Oh, puppet on a string is what I was. And instead of going with my bravado of my uh, little whim, of, of Demarcus Robinson always being that guy. And it was tough to be the guy, I think, in that inclement weather last week was, uh, at, at all. But I look at this as being a plotter's game. So this could be a big Kelsey game. I don't know if it could be a big game for anybody, but I think Kelsey's going to see a lot of targets. Yeah, I think so too. And they should be playing from ahead. So that's why I do like the, the CEH call this week also. But, I mean, Denver's look decent i mean they're they're finally getting healthy again so it might be a closer game than most think but i do think kansas city does win the game they're you know big favorites i think they're like 10 point favorites so in in that type of game script 
you expect it to be a run-heavy game, and I know CEH is playing for his role. Not that he's going to lose his number one job to Lev Bell, but he wants his snap share to stay up there. So he's going to keep running hard like he did last week. So I think it's a good week for CEH here. I I can't see it changing too much. I mean, I know Lev Bell's going to come in there and make an impact, but CEH, man, he proved his worth last week. I don't know if it was a spark that, hey, I, I got to be more aggressive, you know, because they're bringing Lev Bell in here. I got to, what am I doing, man? I'm running around here all tentative. I'm, I'm kind of, the big lights maybe got me in, in my eyes or something uh, all throughout the first part of the year because he just wasn't running as hard as he was last week. He, he, it was night and day last week. It was night and day last week, man. Yeah, he looked really good, and that's what people who invested that first-round pick in him were kind of hoping for. I don't think that that's what we're going to see on a regular basis, and I do think Lev will cut into his snap share. I do think Lev will also take those goal-line carries, which is still happening to CEH. We saw Williams' touchdown last week that was like, oh, come on. So I I think that his role will decrease. He's going to need to score from outside of the 20, which is what he's going to be trying to do. Oh, he's, he's yeah, he's gonna have to do that a little bit. But this, like you said, this week might be a plotter. Oh, I say it's a plotter's week, and I don't know if that falls into Ceh's category or Williams category as far as a plotter goes. But it's uh, definitely gonna be a big week for him. What about the Denver side of the ball? Tim Patrick is really that wide receiver one there. He's solidified that spot. Jerry Judy's been a little bit, I don't want to say disappointing. He's been rookie. That's just a rookie for you, especially with quarterbacks coming in and out of there like that. But I, I'm not. I'm, Locke is just one of those guys, grip it and rip it, man. Yeah, yeah, and he's finally healthy again, so it's nice to see him back. I don't know if Noah Fant is back this week or not, but Tim Patrick is a, is a guy who, you're right, he's taken over that one role. Once they lost Cortland Sutton, they needed someone to step up, and Tim Patrick just stepped in and completely filled that role. I like what he's what I've been seeing from him. I like the way he's been playing. He's a guy that if you have him, he's a guy that I would start in my lineup, especially against this Kansas City defense this week. I definitely look to get him in there if he can. Jerry Judy, who you mentioned from the slot, is probably going to be seeing Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, a lot. So Jerry Judy's a guy who I'm repelling from a little bit this week but i'm definitely sticking with tim patrick and i think that he'll have a big game we've forgotten a lot about the repelling and sticking to <laughs> yes this week we've <laughs> already said that this week we usually are repelled from somebody or sticking to somebody here's somebody that you may not have known and i oh <laughs> yeah okay have fun with this one aqua gulbanam is that how i <laughs> oh albert O. <laughs> yeah, yes, Al, Al Brown, <laughs> the Denver Bronco tied in. Great DFS flyer if there's not a Noah Fanton there. Uh, his last game against New England, he had six targets, two receptions, 45 yards. Uh, maybe, you never know how that rapport ends up going with a with a quarterback, but if you just have that rapport automatically with the tight end position and that's just where your eyes go, that may be a guy to look at for a DFS flyer. 2,500, and in a, a league like the Hunger Bowl, like you and I are in, man, you might as well pick him up. You never know what will end up happening, and Noah Fant hasn't proven to be very durable. Yeah, you're right. If Noah Fant's not out there, they were looking at Albert a lot last week, and he was getting targets in the red zone and, and in big spots. So it shows that Locke wants to get him the ball because he, he knows that he's a big target and a, and a sure-handed guy. So definitely a guy that if you have room to stash him, great. And like you said, a cheap play from DFS standpoint as well. Yeah, definitely. So he might be one of those flyers. And uh, if you can end up getting close to the end zone, it might be who locks up. 
on, locked on. He might be locked on those. San Francisco 49ers at the New England Patriots. JB, I've never, well, I say I never, I'm sure I have, but the New England Patriots looked bad last week. Cam Newton looked like he was, I, I don't even know. I, I've never seen that side of Cam Newton where he just looked, uh, he was, he was, looked like kryptonite was out there on the field instead of being the Superman uh, like he normally is. He looked like he was getting beaten by kryptonite. Yeah, it was one of those bad cam games, and you saw those from time to time in Carolina, especially towards the end of his run at Carolina. You know, you get the good cam where he runs for a couple touchdowns, and he's smiling, and he's having a good time, and he's supermanning all over the place and into the cameras, but you get those bad cam games, and that's what we saw last week, so... You'd like to hope that this is a bounce-back game? I, I didn't see that coming last week against Denver. I thought that they'd have a better week. But they hadn't practiced for a while, Wes. You know, they had the whole COVID thing going on, and they hadn't practiced in full for, like, two weeks. So I, I understand them being a little bit slowed down, and maybe they weren't on the same page. So hopefully now with a full week of practice, we kind of get to see the good cam come back, or at least the form of the good cam come back, because – New England really needs that to win games. I don't think it was just Cam Newton, though. Uh, the whole offense looked off whenever he was off, and there just was nothing able to be done, you know, and, and I don't see why that's going to change this week. But the San Francisco 49ers are going to see what Denver did, and they are going to do the same exact thing. <laughs> and I think that uh, it's just if you're, if you're forcing them to play like that, if you're forcing them to pass the ball, it's just not going to happen this year in New England. Yeah, and, and the passing game is not what it was. I mean, obviously, we've talked about Edelman kind of fading away and, and not being the same Edelman that we're used to seeing. Um, obviously, he had the rapport with Brady, doesn't have it with Cam, so it's going to yeah. be a different animal. But Nikhil Harry hasn't stepped up like people thought he would. Demir Bird's just a guy. So, yeah. you know, it's got to be done on the ground with Newton and Harris if anything's going to get going. And I don't know that they'll be they'll be very successful. I think that this team is going to be an underperforming team. The Bills are the best team in the division. So I don't even know if New England is a wild card team with what we've seen so far from that offense. Oh, and that makes the Fitzpatrick thing even more head scratching because I mean, Miami has just as much of a shot as anybody else. And I know Buffalo is Buffalo and I understand that, but I'm not going to say Miami can't keep pace with the Buffalo Bills as far as an offense goes. So I makes just just makes my head scratch. I, I don't know. Free fits is what I want to do. Free fits. <laughs> hey, this this game has got the lowest point total, by the way. The lowest point total, I think, because of the Patriots defense more than anything else, along with the San Francisco 49ers defense. So I think you can look for a play on both of those for DFS slates, especially that San Francisco defense. I just can't see the Patriots scoring that many points. But as far as San Francisco goes, that backfield's a little jumbled up. I know we got a couple of new names in the backfield now that Burita looks like he's out again. Uh, you talk about somebody who... Mostert. yeah, Oh, oh Mostert's out again. Uh, now that Mostert's out again, just uh, it just seems like somebody who you have high hopes for, but it looks like he's going to do this to you every year. Yeah, I, everyone was excited to have him back after missing them for a couple of games and goes out there and he's hurt again. So, I mean, we saw Jarek McKinnon step up last time that he was hurt and he... he did well. He scored touchdowns. But McKinnon's really not a between-the-tackles runner. So you saw a little Jamichael Hasty at the end of last game. Um, and I think that what we saw from Hasty wasn't really what we're going to see. And I'm going to be a little bit of a downer on this because he came in at the end of a game when the defense was worn down. They played a tough game. It was a hard-nosed game. So defense was a little tired at that point, And he was, he was coming in fresh 
So he ran the ball really well. I do think he's a good back, and I think he's a capable complement runner. He'll be the guy who's running, you know, three to seven yards down the middle. But I think it's McKinnon who's the weapon here. And San Francisco, as we know, Shanahan loves weapons. So it's going to be McKinnon as a weapon out of the backfield. But Hasty could sneak a couple of goal line scores and, you know, vulture some touchdowns from him. So I think they're both viable plays. McKinnon more on that, you know, mid to high end RB2 side where you have Hasty as more of like a, you know, necessary flex guy. Yeah, I, and it is a going against the Patriot defense, so you got to take everything with a grain of salt whenever you're going against the Patriot defense. But I'll tell you, the thing I think I saw the most out of the Patriot defense that makes them vulnerable, they're not fast. They're not great fast. It's one of the things that I saw that kind of made, like even last year with Tom Brady, the team's speed was just kind of slow. All right, that that's what I thought. And I know their defense was great last season and all that, but – Hasty just looked like so fast out there. He looked like a little faster than everybody else out there. And I don't know if it was desire or if it was athleticism that was able to make him do that. But I could see him just being able to get one and finding a seam. All right. Because Shanahan saw that. And he's going to be able to go, ooh, look at that guy. Instead of just calling that one or two plays that he called for him last week, where it's, you know, run through the five hole, run through the six hole, whatever it is. Uh, and he's going to see something where he's able to run a little more of a slant route or he's able to get him open on one of those goofy little counters. And Hasty's just going to be able to go. I, I could see one big play out of him for sure this week in San Francisco. Or for San Francisco, it's in New England. So, Yeah, definitely could. Definitely could. I think they're both startable if you need them. Okay, all right. I don't think either one's startable. I'm, they're both on my bench. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in DFS, though, I'm taking a hasty flyer for sure. All right, the Seattle Seahawks then moved to Sunday night, like you said, against the Arizona Cardinals. Big points uh, total here for both of these teams as well. 56 complete total, total points for this game. Both are high-powered offenses. JB, Arizona looked really good last week. Can Kenyon Drake keep it up for two weeks in a row? No. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think that he can. I think that Seattle's run defense is pretty good where where they're exposed is in the passing game. So I think that they're going to look to take advantage of them in the air and not on the ground. Um, Seattle is, I mean, I I put Christian Kirk in, in my sexy flexies because I think that it is a game where, like we saw the last couple of weeks, Kyler Murray is starting to realize that he needs more than DeAndre Hopkins. And we talked about that weeks ago, and it started to happen. And Christian Kirk is the guy that he realized, okay, he could step up. Now, last week he only got, he had a big game, he had the big touchdown, but he only had three targets, which was his fewest of, of all the games played so far, even the ones in the beginning where he wasn't really doing much. But I think that in the game before was the week that they played the Jets, They were using him on long passes, which we saw last week, and also on the intermediate routes. So I think that Kyler Murray, who's playing excellent, running the football and throwing the football, I think that he's going to look to continue to keep Kirk involved. Um, Seattle's secondary has allowed 12 different wide receivers to get over 65 yards. That's five games played. They've allowed 12 different receivers to get over 65 yards. So Kirk should see Shaq Griffin, who is a favorable matchup for him. I think Kirk continues to eat, and I think that that DeAndre Hopkins obviously is a great play this week. So on the Arizona side of the ball, I'm looking at Kyler. I'm looking at Hopkins. I'm looking at Kirk. Drake is startable. He's getting the volume. He's a guy who we saw last week that, yeah, you know, that run at the end kind of put it over the top. 
But he was running pretty well before that, so he definitely continues to be startable. So I would definitely roll with the two wide receivers and the quarterback, and you could start Drake. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so here, here's, you know, I've said if he has one good game, I'm going to trade him, right? I held on to him, all right? And, and maybe he's a second-half guy completely, so I'm a little bit scared to trade him at this point because I have thought to myself, ooh, may, maybe he's just that guy who always does better in the second half of the season. But then I looked at his second-half schedule because that's going to dictate a lot for that, right? Pretty tough second half of the, uh, of the year schedule. But can I tell you what I'm going to do? I'm going to trade him after he plays Miami, like either next week or the week after that. I'm going to trade. He, he plays Miami really, really soon. And that is going to be a revenge game. And I think that that will be one of those rallying cries for the Arizona Cardinals even to make sure that Drake uh, has a revenge game against the Miami Dolphins. So Dang. that's after, that's when I'm, I'm holding on to him. Until then, now let me say this as well: uh, if you if you need to win, go get Drake before that Miami game because his his value will skyrocket after that, and then you can trade him again for something else. So, <laughs> all right, I like the strategy. Playing the thank long you. game, Wes. Playing the long game. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But uh, if you look at that Arizona Cardinal offensive uh, powerhouse that they are, Christian Kirk is a lot cheaper on the DFS slate than Hopkins, of course. Being, I think he's a what eight thousand eighty nine hundred or something like that at price this this week so uh i think kirk is is much cheaper than that so i'm going that route as well on a couple of those stacks for the seattle seahawks i know that they've had the rumors of antonio brown i gotta see it to believe it i know that that seems like a pete carroll thing to do right because uh, that's just that's just what he does he brings brings different players like that in he even brought lynch in at some point you know while he was retired and all those things so it, it just seems like a pete carroll thing to do but at the same time, I, you know, he's got to find room there. And Metcalf is not going anywhere. He, he he will not go anywhere. I think Antonio Brown, who's not scared of many people, will probably be, be scared of Metcalf and have to <laughs> cower down. Because, I mean, you just have to. And let's just face it, that's Russell Wilson's guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think DK has established himself as, as one of the top dogs. He's shown it. He's shown to be that so far this year. Um, I think coming off a bye, they're going to look to get Tyler Lockett more involved again. Also, who's no slouch. I mean, he hasn't been right. he hasn't been terrible, but he's underperforming from the standpoint that we expected from him. So anybody who's rostering Lockett waited through the bye and and can't wait to get him back in there. I think that this could be a good game for him. Metcalf is going to see Patrick Peterson, which doesn't scare me. I think Metcalf is it can play against anybody. So I think Metcalf and Lockett are both capable of having big games this week. I think Arizona is not great against the run either. So I could see Chris Carson mm -hmm. getting some good run this week. And obviously, Mr. Unlimited coming off a bye, they're going to let Russ cook. So all four of those guys, you waited through the bye week. You missed them last week. You might have lost your matchup last week because you had a combination of those guys and you couldn't start them. So they're back this week. Don't fret. They got a good matchup in one of the highest scoring games of the week. So this should be a good one to get them back in your lineups and, and coast to victory. Well, I'm glad it's a Sunday night game too. It it is a little bit more appealing to me than the Las Vegas Raiders. I just I could care less about watching Las Vegas Raiders, to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind seeing Tampa Bay again, but I just I I, I this this is the fun game. This is a fun game to watch. There's gonna be a yep. lot of offense in yep. this game. So uh, you've kind of given me good news. And then of course on Monday night I will have my eyes closed. I will be <laughs> under the blankets, 
as it's getting close to Halloween time, and this is going to be a nightmare for the Chicago Bears on Monday night. I know the Bears are five and one. I know the Rams are four and two, but man, that Rams defense is looking to 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 take out some Bears heads this Monday night, I believe, and just it it scares me from a Chicago Bears standpoint. I think the Bears have been doing it with smoke and mirrors. I don't like that five and one record. That record could just be as easily it could be three and three, if not worse than that. Ah, JB, I please try and give me a little bit of hope for my Bears, but I don't think you can do it. Well, it's the ugliest five and one team that I've ever seen in my life, and you're right. I don't, I don't know how they're five and one, but they're doing it and they're grinding games out, and and Nick Foles with his pea shooter arm and his crooked throws down the field, or somehow winning football games. So, I mean, hey, congratulations to you on your five and one start. But unfortunately, I do think that it comes back down to earth this week against the Rams. I think that Allen Robinson is obviously your guy. He's going to see Ramsey, though. So Allen Robinson's a guy who you always want to put in your lineup because he's you know a target monster. He's the number one target. He's getting peppered every game. But he's going to get that Jalen Ramsey coverage this week. So that's a matchup that I'm looking forward to watching on Monday Night Football to watch Allen Robinson against Jalen Ramsey, which might open things up for Darnell Mooney. If Nick Foles no. can actually throw a straight ball down no. the field to him, Look, that's you the problem. You, the only the only Bears playable fantasy option is their defense. You have a shot at getting a couple of points uh, from a defensive standpoint, but that's really all dependent upon whether or not Matt can get to the quarterback. If Matt can get to the quarterback, we know. And I want to. I always want to call him Jim Everett. I am just terrible. I am stuck in the eighties, <laughs> JB. Uh, I know it's golf, but I, I, right at the tip of my tongue is Jim Everett. And that's just how, that's how I work, man. That's how I work. I'm sorry. Jim Everett will be handing the ball off to Eric Dickerson this Monday night. Uh, uh, but if, if Matt can get to golf, we know golf folds under pressure. And that would be the only shot that you have at getting any kind of points whatsoever from the Chicago Bears from a fantasy standpoint, in my opinion. But, well, I'm also going to start mandatory Montgomery because he's getting the volume. No, no. I have to. I have to because he's your RB2. He gets volume. There's nobody to take snaps away from him. So he's going to catch some passes and get some run. And the Rams aren't great against the run. They're a very care. good defense. They're going to be locking down A-Rob, so they're going to have to get Montgomery involved. So I'm going to stick no. with mandatory Montgomery. J- JB, I hear you. I hear that. Okay, fine. They're not very good against the run. I don't care. We've been waiting for a Montgomery breakout since the beginning of last season. We've been waiting for a Montgomery breakout since the second half of last season whenever he was getting a lot of playing time. We've been waiting for a Montgomery breakout ever since the Cohen game, but he hasn't had over 20 fantasy points one single time, barely 15 points every single time. I'm just telling you, we'll be waiting for a Montgomery breakout forever as long as that coach is still coaching that team. You can say whoever you want to. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, terrible run defense. Did he do anything against them on the run defense? No, he caught some balls, which gave him some fantasy points. That's no, it. He scored a touchdown that got called back because he went down an inch from the goal line. So Did if he gets he? in, are we having a different conversation right now? No, so I'm not having not a different conversation. Montgomery. I'm maybe he's a different wall, Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having a different conversation. I, I'm, not, I'm just not. I, we, we're waiting for a Montgomery breakout, and I don't think it's going to happen against the Los Angeles Rams simply because of this. They're not going to be able to be running the ball because they'll be from, playing from behind. All right, they're, they're going to be playing. And they don't my- have Tariq Cohen to bring in, so they're going to be passing to Montgomery too. I'll take 15 PPR points out of my RB two and call it a day. 
This I'm, I have I had this is gonna be a terrible game for us for us as a Chicago Bears. I'm, I have this big thick pencil in my hand. I don't know what this is my daughter's pencil, my 13 year old daughter's pencil. She's a homeschooler, so we got pencils, pens laying all over the place. And this is like one of these big old thick, uh, I don't know, just weird looking pencils. Just kind of a fun thing for her. And and I'm telling you, I'm almost breaking this in half right now because I'm getting frustrated to see. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> I guess talking about the five and one Bears does that to you because. I guess you realize that they're they're not a five and one team. I do, on, but uh, it's Nagy. Nagy. Nagy it's, frustrates yeah. me, man. Nagy's a coach who who most Bears fans are just done with. They're completely sick of and they're frustrated. And part of the problem this week is your opponent because the Rams have mm-hmm. weapons. And we talk about the Bears defense and we talk about the rush from Mac in the front. Um, Akeem Hicks has been playing really well in the middle. Um, so I think that the L.A. running game, which uh, is, a, is a mess of itself, Cam Akers got on the field for one snap last week, but Daryl Henderson looks to be good. But against this Chicago run D, he might have some trouble. Now, we've right. also talked about the Chicago outside cornerbacks playing really well. Kyle Fuller and the rookie Jalen Johnson have been playing really well. So I think where to beat Chicago is in the middle of the field. Cooper Cup plays the slot. Thank Cooper you very Cup's going to be running all over the middle of the field. So I think this could be a two-touchdown Cooper Cup game. And no, I will not say to start Tyler Higbee, but my sneaky start of the week is going to be Gerald Everett, who I think also scores a touchdown this week in the middle of the field against that Chicago defense. So two from Cup, one from Everett, and an L to Chicago. Jim Everett is going to score a touchdown this week? (laughs) See, there you go. You got him in. No, and that's part of the frustration is we do see we we do see the coaching. We are frustrated with the coaching decisions that are made. Uh, the Bears are five and one. They should be three and three at the very best, I think, uh, realistically. And that coach should really be on the hot seat right now. And right now he's five and one, looking okay. But I do think he gets exploited this week. And I do agree with all your fantasy takes from the Los Angeles Rams standpoint. I think those were great analyses. Analyses. I think that's how you would say it. JB, great job. I appreciate it so much for you joining me here on the Magnet Show, our Fantasy Magnet podcast. Been doing really good, too. Got to thank the Fit Fam so much for sharing this show, for getting it out to all of our friends or all your friends, tagging us in those retweets and everything, doing a great job with all that. So really, really appreciate that. And remember, we got a giveaway coming up, so we'll be watching. Please retweet, tag your friends. I'll be keeping an eye on it. We'll be doing some giveaways, so... Please continue to share share our posts, and, and we really appreciate you guys. JB, you're already giving so We don't have anything to give away right now. Look, I say tasty cakes, and now you're going crazy. Look, you're getting me all fired up again, JB. My <laughs> good for my blood pressure. Not good at all. All right. Good you know all. what? You know what, Wes? You'll, you'll calm down when you go watch this boring Thursday night football <sighs> game. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right there uh thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the fantasy magnet podcast here on the fantasy impact today network of course that was jb barry uh joining me at fantasy coach jb on twitter make sure you hit him up check out his ras bowl article that he has posted there I, i'm sure he has pinned that somewhere in his tweet don't forget to follow me on twitter at infinite i at ifb is what it's called jb i ifb that means I instantly follow back. 100 fire is what they say on Twitter. That's all the young kids are calling it nowadays, JB. Fire, fire. Yeah, but uh, I will I will follow you. Oh, I'll probably follow you back. I get confused on how to do that sometimes. But you can also follow the show, at FI Today, with a little underscore on Twitter. Don't forget to do that. It's like, like I said, there is a 
uh, just a, a bunch of different articles from a lot of different contributors that are listed there on that profile. And that's what I want to list it as. That's what I want to keep it as. It's like something where you can go to as a listener to find a bunch of great articles, people that we have mentioned here on this program, people we have mentioned on this show that I like to retweet and get it out there to you. So it's, it's right there at your fingertips. But you can also follow all the different names that, that appear on the program here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. They're listed right under the bio. So make sure you follow all of them. Also, our Fit Picks will be up there, JB. I usually get those together sometime as I edit this show a little bit on Thursday night and get them out to you guys so you can make those picks. And our Fit Picks will be up there this weekend as well, Really something that we have a lot of fun doing. And you can subscribe to the show on whatever platform you want to over on Anchor FM. But more importantly than all those actions, Fit Fam, we want to encourage you to find a way to go out into the world and make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 